look at key point number three. Key point number three is this. When we surrender to God's will, expect God to change hearts. When we surrender to God's will, expect God to change hearts. Let's look at verses six through nine. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let every one turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Now, God changes the hearts of people, but only when his people are obedient to his command to share the good news. When you take a stand to proclaim the truth of God's word, it will empower and embolden others to do the same, even those who have greater influence than you. I mean, think about that for a moment. Here we have Jonah coming into a city, a city in which he doesn't live, a city in which he would identify as his enemies, and he has a message. And he is saying, listen, God is going to destroy you in 40 days unless you repent. Now, what did they do? They, they listened to him, but Jonah's obedience did what? It prompted political leaders to proclaim and publish throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles a day of prayer and fasting. What an incredible thing that we see having, having take place. Jonah had influence but his influence was only so far. And, and once he had, had reached someone like the king, then the king has influence. And then that king and his nobles do what? They have influence over the entire community. So sometimes our obedience is just simply to get the message out to someone else. And they have influence over a different group of people than you have influence over. And that is how you reach an entire city. But I want us to consider this. The king and his nobles made this decree. And what did they do? They pronounced a day of fasting and prayer. What is fasting? Well, fasting is ultimately about personal sacrifice. What is prayer? It's about seeking the will of God. It's communion, talking with the one true living God. So if we desire to see God use Grace Point Church to reach our community with the gospel, we have to come before the Lord on behalf of others through prayer and fasting, making personal sacrifices and seeking the will of God and not our own. When you read scripture, it's, it's so important for us to, to relate to the passage and for us to identify usually a particular person in the narrative. And sometimes we, we are quick to identify ourselves as the hero in the narrative. We might look at this and we go, yeah, I, I, I want to be like Jonah, but maybe it's not Jonah that we identify best with. Uh, maybe, maybe instead of, uh, the, instead of identifying with Jonah, I, I can look at this narrative and this, this historical event and say, 
you know, I'm, I probably identify a little bit better with the mariners on the ship. Here's what I mean by that. What were they doing? They were going from port to port, from city to city, going about their business, working, working hard every day, and just going from port to port to port to port. And then one day, a guy shows up. And this guy shows up, and it turns their world upside down. And they're introduced to the one true living God. I would say that that's probably my testimony. That's who I identify most with. As a teenager, what was I doing? I was going from port to port, or I was going from home to school, from school to home, from home to school, just back and forth, going about my regular day-to-day living. Until one day, I encountered someone who helped me understand Christ better. Someone who helped me understand the gospel. Someone who introduced me to the one true living God. So when I read through this passage, that's who I identify with. Let me give you a really good example of someone, one of those that we might have a tendency to identify ourselves as the hero. One of the most often read parables in all of scripture and most familiar is the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And a lot of times what we do is we read this story of the Good Samaritan and a guy who has had a hard time, he's fallen by the wayside, he's been beat up. And what do we see? We see different people come by, people who you know, would be expected to take care of him, but they walk by the other side of the street and they avoid him. And eventually what happens? Someone comes by, we call him the Good Samaritan, and this Good Samaritan takes care of him. He bandages him up. He He cares for his needs. He takes him and gives him a place to rest and tells him, if you have any other uh, needs, I'm I'm going to take care of you. I will help you. And what's what's the narrative? What's What's the lesson we often walk away with from the Good Samaritan? We say, we should be the Good Samaritan, right? You see somebody in need, go and help them. Now, that's a good lesson. And yeah, that's a really good idea to do that. But here's the problem. We're really not the good Samaritan in the story. We're not the hero in the narrative. That role belongs to Jesus. When we read that, that, that parable, Jesus is the good Samaritan. When the man is found by the wayside, it is Jesus who comes and bandages him up and takes care of him and meets his every need. We often don't do that. Who do we? We're the ones who cross the street. We're the ones who avoid the situation. We're the ones who don't, or we're the ones that's been beat up. We're the ones that's on the side of the street in need of help. Jesus is the hero. Jesus is the one that always stops and helps. Jesus is the good Samaritan. So should we aspire to be the good Samaritan? Nothing wrong with that. Ultimately, we're doing what? We're aspiring to be more like Jesus. Uh, another example would be David and Goliath, right? A lot of times we do what in the, in the story of David and Goliath in that narrative? Oh, we've got to be like David and slay the, you know, slay the giant. But in reality, what? Uh, Jesus is a better David. Jesus is the hero of the narrative. Jesus is the better David. How? David didn't beat Goliath. David, now hear me when I say this. David said this battle belongs to the Lord. David defeated Goliath. Why and how? He defeated him in the strength of the Lord. That's how he did it. So who's the hero of the narrative? The hero of the narrative is always the Lord. 
He's the one that comes in in our time of need. So sometimes we read this narrative and we might identify with Jonah at certain points, but sometimes we're somewhere else in that narrative. Some of us might be like the people in Nineveh, a rebellious people who need the hope of Christ, a community lost in darkness and not even aware that they're going to face judgment. But thanks be to God that the resurrected Christ has come with some hope. Sometimes we're the mariners just going through daily living from one port to the next, from work to home, home to work. And we just need to recognize that we need the resurrected Christ, the hope of Christ in our life. Now look back at verse 10. Then God saw their works, that they, were, they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. You know, God is merciful. What is mercy? Mercy is actually withholding a punishment that we deserve. Withholding a punishment that we deserve. Grace is receiving something that we that we don't deserve. And mercy is withholding a punishment that we do deserve. Aren't you glad that God is merciful? Aren't you glad that God is so merciful that he will withhold a punishment that we deserve. If you've never experienced the mercy of God in your life, let me invite you this morning to ask Christ into your life. One last thought, and then we'll pray together. When we surrender to God's will, expect God to demonstrate his mercy. Let's pray. 